When the credits start rolling, but the movie keeps haunting you. Before, after. Then it's time to tune in to Dismembering Horror. We'll talk about what worked and also what didn't. We'll dissect every aspect. Maybe someone we shouldn't. He turned out to be a completely unreliable asshole. Take it away, boys. Hello, Tim. Ryan, I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you right now and just, just this is a uh, alert to all listeners. Alert to all listeners. We have an official The Worst Movie I've Ever Seen report coming in hot. Worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. I cannot say enough bad things. Go ahead, Ryan. What were you going to say? <laughs> oh, well... I was just in the middle of saying hello, Tim. <laughs> oh, hi. Hi. How are you? And hello, listeners. As our wonderful uh, host just said, this is Dismembering Horror, episode 174 of Dismembering Horror. So for today, we're going to talk a bit about, I, I mean, I don't know if Tim's talking about a different movie or what, but today we're here to talk about Leprechaun Returns, uh, <laughs> as well as- No, that's it. That's oh, wow. it. Well, as well as we're going to touch a bit on, uh, I think, the OG Leprechaun in our discussion here, because it uh, is some good context, I think. I just want to say that I had the feeling while we were watching it that you might enjoy it more than me. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a fair and accurate assessment, which uh, you'll find to be extremely true. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, hey man, you just you just let us dive in on the deep end here. The uh, <laughs> the only other thing I just wanted to say for today, just to acknowledge, uh, you know, we like to keep in touch with our whole our whole history of our show and movies we've done, and if there's news of remakes of them coming out or mm. anything at all of that applicable to them. This one's actually not exciting remake news, but I just had the thought. This is this is actually kind of old news, especially by the time you're listening to this. But with the filmmaker Ivan Reitman passing away, who did Ghostbusters, yeah. uh, <laughs> Twins, Kindergarten Cop, all those movies, uh, we know him here as Dismembering Horror at Dismembering Horror as the director of Cannibal Girls. So mm, that's right. A, a true classic. <laughs> yeah. Which we dismembered in episode 91 of our show, Canadian yeah. film Cannibal Girls. So I think, yeah, RIP. It's sad. I mean, it's always sad when people die. Yeah. All is to say uh, exactly that. Just acknowledge it. Uh, because, you know, you're directors of Ghostbusters, but just fun for our little bubble of dismembering horror to say. Also the director of Cannibal Girls. Yeah. Oh, another thing. Uh, happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone. Yeah. If you're listening to this today in fresh, and that's if you if you didn't guess, that's why that was our inclination <laughs> to review uh, Leprechaun Returns. <laughs> All right. Well. Are you a are you a big um, St. Patrick's Day fan? Is it a big important holiday for you, Ryan McDuffie? No, as you know, maybe you know how I was just forgetting it now. Uh, even <laughs> um, I, I did not enjoy growing up like people's people like uh, 
this is more elementary school thing, but I feel like went all the way into college, post-college a little bit of people like policing the wearing green on the day oh always felt weird to me. Um, that is like the dumbest thing. But to to say what I do like about it, aside, <laughs> I guess, you know, if you're in the mood, an excuse to go out and drink or whatever, is I, I always forget what it's called St. Patrick's Day, which, you know, from planning this, and I always default to call, calling it Leprechaun's Day. So... <laughs> Uh, that's, that's the side that I love about it is, uh, it's Irish connection and then take it another step. It's leprechaun connection. Take it yet another step. It's leprechaun to the leprechaun, the movie connection. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can say that I, I don't know. It's my grandmother's birthday, St. Patrick's day. So like, that's always cool. Cool. She was as Irish as you kind of can get in the states <laughs> not born there but her parents were um right so you know your middle name is ryan which seems like my an- middle name is ryan your first name is ryan yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh was her name o'grady <laughs> no her name was ellen norman uh and her i think her maiden name no her mom's maiden name was o'reilly i think just this like same enough yeah dirt to same good good enough yeah just not o'grady as i think the names of uh the ones uh the ones who uh lay the curse in the original leprechaun <laughs> right right all right oh my god well to talk about leprechaun the movie let's dive we've already dove in at the beginning here dove in so let's uh continue to swim in the deep end here and move on with our trailer and get into it for leprechaun returns You must be one of the girls. Fixing up the old house way out there from campus. You know about that? Small town. My mom used to live here. She didn't tell you anything about the place where you're going? No. Everything okay? Yeah. Everything. We made sure of it. You guys really going off grid. By the end of summer, we'll have moved all our electricity to solar and all our water to the well. There's no internet? No internet and no cell service either. (laughs) Hello? I've got a lot of killing to make up for. (laughs) This can't be real. Hello, Tim, 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 Tim. Unacceptable. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Tim, you've already let us know your feelings, so you want to just go ahead and fill that out and let us know your rating per our rating system. Would you tell yourself to avoid, stream, rent, or buy Leprechaun Returns? This is, is, you know, falls right in that very small batch of movies we've watched that is a essentially an avoid at all costs. I think there've been a couple movies where we've felt similar. Um I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh what was that one with Arnold? Maggie. <laughs> Maggie. That was pretty bad too, but in a totally different way. What about like so, the girl next door? That that's for sure right on par but there here's what it is there's a very there's a specific difference in 
why those movies were bad. I mean, each movie is bad for its own reasons. But, like, this movie is bad on a certain level that is upsetting to me for a couple reasons. One, the writing is... I think that they were trying to be camp like there's this weird line of when you try to be camp and it just i don't know it just does not work it's so insultingly bad like characters do things that just completely defy all basic rationale or logic and i think in in service of an attempted joke or or uh, humor and all of it just is bad it just doesn't work. So, I mean, I'm already saying what doesn't work, but overall that's that's the reason I think it's so bad. Like it just falls flat constantly for some really fundamental reasons. Whereas like The Girl Next Door is bad because I think the director doesn't know anything about how human beings behave and it just makes no sense in that sort of way. And Maggie just seemed like I don't even remember Maggie. I don't, uh, there was nothing to it in a way. But both of those were trying to be more, I mean, <laughs> they're completely different in that they were actually trying to be serious with a lot of times serious subject matter right. at play. So that's, I mean, maybe just where I will always find those films more frustrating. Here, it would actually kind of work in its favor if the they weren't accurate depictions of humans and how humans <laughs> work. Yeah. They, so we'll talk about it later, but they're, there is a very um, specific a, a example of it's actually the type of camp that I love the most, which is the Evil Dead 2 style of camp. And I think in the wrong hands, it just simply is bad. And this is an example of that. And we'll, you know, in things of note, there's a couple of things I want to talk about as to why. I think it it was attempting to do that and failed. All right. Well, I mean, look, I had a very <laughs> hard time even paying attention to this movie <laughs> because it was just one thing after another of like reasons why I wanted to turn it off. Tim, uh, I almost called you. I almost called you and was like, no, I'm sad. Uh, I can't do it. I'm sad you didn't end up... I mean, I ended up doing the double feature I thought you were doing, which was watching the original first. I wanted to. I just ran out of time. Yeah. So I was like, damn, I have to watch this one first. And then once I got through this one, I was like, I am not turning the other one on. Like, I just don't have the capacity for it. Right. Well, I mean, that would have been the reversed order anyway, so whatever. Right. Uh. Okay, well... This may be our most uh, differentiating opinion on an episode mm. ever, Tim. So can I tell you where I'm coming from now and give you my rating? <laughs> Please. <don't. laughs> um, oh, God. All right. Well. I will come over there and I will strangle you to death while laughing like a leprechaun if you give this a bye. Uh, all right, we'll see you soon. I give the original and this one a buy it, hands down. Uh, I cannot believe you. Uh, 
All right, here he comes. He's taking off the headphones. This is the this is the officially the last episode of Dismembering Horror. Well, it's been a good <laughs> run, Tim. Um, but maybe, maybe in an effort to 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 of radical empathy, I, uh, you'll hear where I'm coming from by the end of the episode and not want to strangle me quite so much. I'll listen, but I don't know if I'll hear okay. where you're coming from. Thanks for your ear. That's all I can ask for. <laughs> so context on the original because i will say you know there is a distinguishment in the kind of camp that the original is that uh versus this one but uh they're same and different so (laughs) this is high praise or it's gonna sound like heavy stuff for leprechaun movie but honestly i'm looking back when i think of being a kid and like looking at all the sort of boxes of horror movies and even seeing them at a young age leprechaun was the scariest to me. You think of like mm. visually and just sort of here's the thing. There's the trapped in a room with test where if it's if it's Freddie, Jason, uh Michael Myers, you're you just feel like, oh I'm dead. I'm screwed, right? So sure. this is more coming from a place of just like visual feel like a certain kind of evil and sinister coming from them, right? Poster appeal. (laughs) Yeah, sure. A different kind of trapped in the room, if just sort of like physical threat aside. Um, And Chucky, you know, I know he strikes a sort of, uh, I know some people who are like, Chucky just scares, he's always the most terrifying Mm -hmm. to me. So Chucky's based though, like he's Tommy Lee Ray or whatever his name is. You know, he's a human soul when it comes down to it. So that's, that's where maybe he doesn't have the edge on this leprechaun. But something about this leprechaun and how he like looks, especially in the original, a little bit more mm-hmm. so. I I was fine with them changing the look for the new one. But just like <laughs> I can still kind of attach myself, you know, I'm much more older and jaded and not actually afraid now, but I can still remember as a kid Don't lie. like that feel. <laughs> Maybe in a certain mood or with the right kind of help, um, I could uh, feel it still. But it's like, I mean, I'm not, no, I'm not the only one because, like, the joke in Wayne's World too of uh, of um, Wayne torturing Garth about being afraid of the leprechaun. I'm the leprechaun. Whoa! Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I'm not the only one out there for that that joke to have worked in that movie. There's like, ugh, leprechaun. So I'm coming from that perspective uh, where there's just something near and i'll admit like i my friend and i mentioned you know binged all these movies uh except this newest one uh wait you know a few years ago no longer than that ago now um and they're all like they're also like the hood ones are terrible they're kind of all terrible oh the, the first one does hold a special place for me too so that's fair um yeah it Okay, well, here, that's enough. Just remember, like, what we're saying here is that this is what we would tell ourselves, too. Like, it's just not for me. Right. So just to sort of, I can sort of, I'll save most of this for, you know, the what worked, which sounds like I'll be mostly the one talking for that section. If not, I have a couple things. (laughs) But um, uh, I don't know. So I'm coming from there. And but, you know, I'm just much more a fan of camp. And I think it's mm-hmm. interesting with you. Like, I was thinking, oh, Tim liked Jack Frost. He's going to really like this movie. That's where I was assuming you were at when mm-hmm. you know, I came down for this. But, like, I liked Dolly Dearest more than you. So there is this kind of, right. like, 
line where I'm just kind of like, I have no idea. It's just something particular about something that Tim, I don't I, know where he's going to fall at any given mark. I, now with camp. I have thought this movie has illuminated some of the reasons why I like where the line is, like what causes camp to work for me or not work. Right. So, so. <clears throat> I will say um, I do enjoy more overall the kind of camp that the original has. And I say that distinguishment for me is how much is unintentional and not self-aware versus intentional and self-aware, which I think this Replicon Returns falls more in the camp of. Uh, sorry, confusing word, camp. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm using it. been using it two ways here. <laughs> camp with a K, obviously. <laughs> um, uh, but I can still really get on board with that where if, I don't know where they do have an understand with their filmmakers that have a certain understanding of what camp is. You can't maybe you can't like actually make a dolly, like intentionally make a dolly dearest original leprechaun. But mm-hmm. I think you can do enough just to sort of hone in to what like other tenants that do work, even if you are still self-aware of these, this kind of film. So largely for what worked, I would just want to kind of define what this type of movie is and then where it falls on that sort of line of intentional or not intentional and kind of use both leprechauns as a uh, example. So uh, how about, can you give us a super quick summary and then we'll move on with all that? Sure, 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 sure. All right. Sorry, 25 buy years. it I, if I wasn't clear. <laughs> yeah, well, we got, we got it, Ryan. <laughs> Don't remind us. Um, so 25 years after the events of the original leprechaun with, uh, starring Jennifer Aniston and Warwick Davis, and that other guy, Mark Holton. Um, they, yeah, that guy. Um, <clears throat> we return to the the uh, the house uh, that those events took place on, which are, is now being converted into a sorority house for the nearby college, and um, the daughter of. Jennifer Aniston, what was her original name? Tor- uh, Trudy or something? Tori. Like that? Tori. <laughs> Trudy. <laughs> so Tori Redding's daughter, Lila Jenkins, is uh showing up. She wanted to go back there. I don't I didn't really understand why. Um She's she's going to college in the same town. Well, yeah, I get that, but you know, whatever. She wants to reconnect with her roots, I guess. So she goes back. Um, she wants to stay at i mean it just so happens she i guess offered up this old property of hers to the sorority she's a part of right exactly okay so she's going back they're fixing it up that's the whole deal that's why they're there and um (laughs) i don't know why but um the the leprechaun who had seemingly been defeated uh by melting and from a shamrock and being sent down the well um comes back it's comes back. because <laughs> it's because when mark holton reappears as ozzy uh ozzy uh well we learned that leprechaun the like in order to fully destroy a leprechaun you have to fully destroy every part of them like in a fire mm-hmm. or something like that so 
they only sort of disintegrated the leprechaun. So we know there's still a piece of him waiting to come back. And also Ozzy is still carrying inside his stomach somehow the gold coin from the original, which helps give its power to leprechaun. So by the pro- oh, I'm, I must have missed the gold <laughs> coin in the stomach bit. Well, if you had marathoned them back to back, like I had, you would have known. So just that proximity combined of the of the gold coin uh, um allows the essence right. from the water of the well to leap into Ozzy and then using Ozzy's innards allows the leprechaun to recreate itself got it yes i got i got that part um and so and so therefore therefore leprechaun is out and they have to you know defeat him somehow because he wants all of his gold the end all right, great. And then we can move on. And I don't even know if you mentioned it's uh, him versus sorority people and a couple dudes. Right. All right. <laughs> Here we go then into <laughs> what worked. What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> what worked? What worked? Look, just al- allow me to get this out of the way. There are gags and like gore that I liked. So like anytime <laughs> gooey green liquid is is blowing around the room from the leprechaun, I'm a- I'm into it. Like she hits his head at one point and it like comes off. Yeah. And then he like puts it back on. That like totally into that. Um that those moments, the the mailman <laughs> the mailman moment. Great. I'm totally into the 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 gimmick, I guess, of the movie, like the promise of the premise that is a a evil leprechaun wants to kill people in gratuitously ridiculous ways that pays off for me. Those are the only moments in the entire movie that I like kind of perked up and was like, Hey, something. So that's to be fair. Those are the only things that worked for me in this entire movie. Absolutely. Nothing else did. Should I, uh, second, the sort of kills and gore effects now or sort of rewind and go to some overarching things? What do you want to hear? I think you should bookend this entire section by coming back around to the gore at the end. All right. So more on this type of movie and sort of tenets of it. And I, I, this is where I thought it could be. I like having you here to kind of help me define what this kind of movie is. You know, camp is the word we've been using already. But some things that I have that help define it. And this is sort of referring to the original um, and this one. So I'm, I don't know. It's, it's hopefully stuff that can apply to both, but sometimes here may apply to one more versus the other. So examples, like I already mentioned, this kind of movie that we've done, Jack Frost, Dolly Dearest. But I define them as between, they feel like between B and C level you know mm. like there's not that that's where they land for me they're yeah. a level 
where I can enjoy them where they don't take themselves too seriously, or you could say Mm -hmm. they take silly and not being serious seriously, but they aren't as far for me, like, um, as, you know, I'll still watch these too, but like the Z grade, like six headed shark to puss NATO, like those kinds of movies, you know, it's not so so far on that end. So for clarification on, on those categories, a, a, B, C, and we're, and you're saying camp, right? Camp is the overall category we're in. And there's an A and a B and a C within that camp umbrella. No, I meant uh, just sort of separate those for now. And, you know, just sort of what we think of as like A list star, B list star, C list star. Oh, okay. You know, okay. just so those kind of generic terms. Would you say that Freddy Krueger is A list? Um, I think the just trying to get a trying to get a sense here, Ryan, I would define sort of since that one's so mainstream and released by something like New Line Cinema and made it onto like lunchboxes that that's a kind of like what you'd call a list whore. But I think you could have some people who just define anything that's like that as whore as a B movie. Um, Right. So so parse that how you will and you know this is all subjective anyways but i get what you're saying yeah you know in other words you're kind of saying good middling and like demonstrably purposefully bad yeah and sometimes the point where it's yeah it is i think how you reacted to this one is how i can kind of feel about like a poultry geist or something like that where i'm just like this is just (laughs) this is like just a little too much you know like I i could be in the mood and get down but like i i don't know it's I don't know. Um, I get you. I, I I actually agree with what you're saying. So I love this. The Leprechaun movies, their first one and this one are like the sweet spot for me. Like I think Jack Frost was that for you. It sounded like like your favorite mm-hmm. of those movie. I think like Leprechaun is just tied or kind of just takes the edge over that one for me. The original. Um, and hmm. this one kind of close regards. There's something about like the... Just the overall premise, like, really, it is what I love about movies is that you can take something as ridiculous as, like, an evil leprechaun and make it happen and have it be fun. And, like, a kind of other, you know, trait that I'll list here is, like, you know, something that's, like, in the original one where you have the the old O'Grady guy just so sincerely, you know, taking out a four-leaf clover and, you know, casting the leprechaun into the box with it, but, like, going hard and taking it seriously. Like, that's... <laughs> it's just so good in my eyes. Um, you're, you're touching on the thing for me. Okay. This is a defining thing that separates good from bad for, for my taste. All right the the intention of 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 going fully into the the world and like buying into the world as as an actor is a huge part of what i think makes this type of movie successful or not yeah like um bruce campbell is so committed to the world that sam raimi is creating in the evil dead movies like so so committed that he ends up helping define the world that much more yeah and so if you for me if you middle on that or if you reject it even a little bit as a performer it's going to undercut the whole thing and i think 
you know, the original, definitely all the actors, they operate on that level for me. And this one, I think the, oh, uh, Lyndon Porco plays Leprechaun in the newest mm-hmm. one. Maybe not quite on the level of um, Warwick Davis, but still like, I don't know, is on that level for me of not being too self-aware, but committing to the world like I mm-hmm. liked. Um, but like the other characters, you know, as far as I can say with this one and the original, like that level of like Jennifer Aniston Tori in the original where it's like as soon as we say just from her first line before she even speaks we're like oh my god she's such the obvious stereotype of like spoiled California girl like da 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 you know complaining about cobwebs everything you know what are we doing here dad (laughs) and it like hits you over the head with it again and again and again and I think that's an that's a tenet of these kinds of films that I like too and I think this one did that well and that can still work in a self-aware way we're like i enjoyed having the sorority sisters each being just like just like over the top clear in their stereotype like there's a level of fun that's in this bc grade movie where it's it's even taking stereotypes further than a friday the 13th movie you know like that's a good example of what i'd call a b movie and this is just the kind of bc movie in between mm-hmm. there that's that's kind of an example where i'm coming from where there's i don't know it just pushes whatever fun does come from killing off stereotypes or just watching them interact with a killer leprechaun in this case uh just that much more so uh, extremely forced stereotypes I have down as sort of defining this type of movie. Um, things working better if they don't entirely make sense. And that can come from, you know, like the original or Dolly Dearest or Troll 2 even, an oblivious place. Um, but they can come from a self-aware place if it's sort of from a deep place of like, it doesn't matter. We don't care about this explanation. Like, I think that can work this kind of film. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter how quickly he got from there to here, whatever, <laughs> you know, it doesn't oh, no. matter this rule of the world, you know, things like that. So you can do that well in a self-aware way, but there's also of course the certain charm that comes from when it's not self-aware, the kind of quips and humor, which are just like beyond Freddy Krueger eye rolling. <laughs> Maybe, (laughs) yeah. So maybe not like on the level of Jack Frost, where you're like, okay, there are a couple in there that are actually kind of, you know, uh, kind of got me. Um, Yeah. But there's something just when they're so bad consistently uh, that I I like. Um, Okay. (laughs) But that that humor can also come from a unique kind of kill that you can only do, Mm -hmm. which you know we'll get to later what those were in Leprechaun Returns. That I think, I mean, and again, it's like promise of the premise. You have a killer leprechaun, like humor, great, can work in either self-aware or not self-aware. And then my favorite is probably the strange quirks that come with these films. Uh, the Like set up with the original, like I just loved the quirk of the leprechaun where he's has an obsession with shoes. Like, I don't know if that comes from some obscure leprechaun lore, but it's just (laughs) so funny in the original when it's like, he's, yeah, that's how they distract him is by throwing dirty shoes at him or whatever that he has to then clean up. So I love that they carried forth with that, with this one was cracking me up. That was great. Did that come around in a helpful way at, at the end? Uh, 
No, it just sort of it's it's like an element. It's not something that's at the level of needing a needing a payoff for me. Like they're just these okay. sort of weird again, just sort of quirks or details, you know, about <laughs> that are consistent with the Leprechaun. And again, those are kind of best if they're done in the less self-aware kind of movie, the original Leprechaun, a Troll 2 or whatever. Um, like some examples from the original one I like so much of that are there's this shot where it's like Leprechaun, they, they keep thinking they thwart him and then Leprechaun just pops out of nowhere again. So it's like there's a moment where Leprechaun pops out of the fridge in the original. And there's just something <laughs> about the shot that's just like, you know something's going to happen, but I, I don't know. It's I don't even know what I'm trying to say with that one, but there's it's weird. It's it's something that could only be done on this kind of movie I'm trying to define. And then um, like Ozzy and his friend in the original were <laughs> you have like this sort of strangely touching moment where it's like as weird and obvious as is of Ozzy's little friend being like, you know, if they're kind of like the what are they called? The uh the of mice and men characters you yeah, know, yeah lenny and i was thinking whatever, the same thing yeah where it's like we if we get the money from the gold we could fix your brain and give you your operation it's like that's simultaneously just like ridiculous but also kind of weirdly touching in this world <laughs> and just i don't know it's just yeah. strange moments with the both of them um anyway yeah so that that was always i was trying to define this kind of movie and uh, again, but the differentiation between or just so this a sort of line that you can be in at any given point with them is how much are you aware versus self-aware? How much is intentional versus unintentional camp? Which the original, I think, is more on the side of unintentional, but still self-aware, you know, to a regard. Mm-hmm. They know they're making a killer leprechaun movie. This one, I mean... To kind of jump ahead to a thing of note, the director of this one was a filmmaker of a film that you recommended, The Void, mm-hmm. I still haven't seen. And, you know, they yeah. they drop names of, of filmmakers. So it's like clearly, and I don't know, I think there's a, some good setup and payoff of this. I could tell they put thought into this movie. Maybe it sounds like you disagree. But um, but well, I think they tried. Okay, okay. But you can see failed. it's the kind of intentional camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Something that else feels kind of fun and unique this style, like what you said, something that's the appeal of the Evil Dead 2 kind of vein. Like I loved uh <laughs> I loved the shots that are like those point my favorite uh was the point of view of that like hay barrel, like that old metal hay barrel when he jumps yeah. on it and is running on it, and then it launches from a sort of POV yeah. of this metal hay barrel thing at the dude. That was great. Um Yeah. Anyway, that's a more specific thing. So I am kind of over with my uh, grander how to define the type of this movie things and on mm-hmm. to a bit more specific things here. Should I continue? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, God, this is just so funny with how much you hated this. But like, I sort of referenced this in my reaction video that I made right after watching this. But this is had a scene or moment that was just one of the most joyous moments of any film we've ever watched for our show, which was like coming off of the original, I was like, okay, what are some like key things about Leprechaun that I hope that they got, they better continue with this one. And I'm like how he rides little vehicles. Like the first one you have him (laughs) on the, you have him like on a wheelchair, you have him on this like mini sized car. Like it's just so funny. So when Leprechaun appears 
on a drone piloting it himself with the remote. Like I was clapping. I was so happy. It was just, <laughs> again, like what about something you could only do. I don't know in a movie that embraces this kind of ridiculousness, but it's exactly what you want from it. It was like, I cannot tell you how happy that moment made me. Like I was here alone, like a crazy person clapping the visual, the surprise of just totally unexpected and getting that payoff too, of wanting the leprechaun riding a little vehicle and having it be that drone and just not seeing it coming. God damn. I was so happy. I was so happy. I loved that scene. That's fair. I I mean, again, I can get behind the idea. All right. So, you know, and I think that that kill is funny <laughs> yeah. and, and ridiculous and fun. And like, it's tipping toward what I would want. And that's actually, that's a good kill at the, ex- or that's like, that kill is a good example of something I'm talking about that I think's work, that works both on the aware and self-aware level of as far as some things not mattering in this kind of level of film, which is... Y- he could have easily moved out of the way, but just stands there to take the drone coming into his mouth. Mm -hmm. But in this kind of movie, it just didn't matter. Yeah. So yeah, my problem is that in the execution of a camp moment like that, where he could just move out of the way, they don't do anything to raise the level of absurdity from a film like uh, film sort of gag way to make us sort of laugh at why he doesn't move out of the way. So in, o- in other words, like a, here's just an example of a way you can do this. Uh, it's the same absurdity that you see in, uh, to mention him again, in, in a Mike Myers movie in Austin Powers, when the guy is standing in front of the steamroller and it go cuts back and forth of him being like, no, and he could easily just walk out of the way, but they go back and forth. They overemphasize the absurdity in that moment of him not getting out of the way. But in this movie, they there is very little of that kind of joke in the filming of it. And so that's where I'm coming from a lot of the time where I just go, oh, they're, they're missing out on an opportunity because I like that kill. And what I would want to see is as the drone is coming toward him, him being like, oh my God, no. And then cutting back to it, getting closer. And he keeps just cutting back to him being like, you know, whatever it is, something that makes us go, that's so dumb and over the top that I'm on board with him not getting out of the way. And they just don't do it. He just tips his chin up and you go, well, why do you do that? Wow, you, I, I'm... You do hate this movie because never before have you said screw it so hard to our format here and had to have jumped ahead to what did not work. (laughs) Well, what I'm trying to say is that I like the idea. Okay, great. So the idea works. Great. All right. And then falls apart in execution. Uh, Now I'm trying not to jump ahead to what didn't work here, but I would say this was (laughs) an example of I don't want too many there's self-aware that works but then there's kind of breaking the fourth wall level self-aware which that example Mm -hmm. of what you just gave i think would have been too far in that realm for me and there were moments like that that did not work for me in this movie interesting um okay so 
uh, <laughs> as a fan of the original. And uh, I, I just loved all the connections to the original, like to have the same location, which is just so funny because it's like Leprechaun. Like you wouldn't think that would ever be a level of film where they sort of recreate the original location to go back to like <laughs> ah it's the same house it's the same barn it's the same well from the original Wait, original leprechaun me and everybody else like why does the original movie even exist in that environment like why does it take place there it's like well, what the dad buys or inherits the house like the, the the leprechaun getting trapped there happens 10 years earlier the dad <laughs> buys the house for some reason and he takes his daughter just to kind of uh go there for i forget if they're actually moving there or just sort of staying there for the summer i think they're just kind of st- so it's just total happenstance i think they're staying there for the summer um yeah they stumbled they just happened to buy this old abandoned house and why was there an, a leprechaun curse thing in that place in the first place? You didn't even watch the leprechaun original recap I sent you, huh? No, I couldn't, <laughs> okay. I couldn't swallow. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> it's because uh, the original owner of the house was some a businessman who had traveled to Ireland and <laughs> oh my God. had okay. <laughs> trapped the leprechaun, which is how you get a leprechaun's gold. So right, came right. back okay, with the leprechaun's it. gold, and then unbeknownst to him, leprechaun was mad and just followed him back to America. How do you how do you um how do you appease the leprechaun? What's the what's the true solution of the leprechaun? You know, curse. Well, to put it under uh, what worked for me is just his unsatiable, single minded fixation on his gold which he obsessively counts and like has to make sure he has every piece of gold like that's just great single-minded obsession that's his motivation that's that's at the core of who he is is this this greedy little leprechaun so in theory if he got all of his gold all of it back and and could count it all and have it would he just be like, okay, I'm good. Back to back to Ireland. Yes and no. Yes, if I was going by just the first one, I'm a little confused based on his character in the second one, which we'll get into in our next section. Hmm. Interesting. Uh so more on just <laughs> its connection to the original. I mean, yeah, so what I was what I was saying was uh, the fact that, yeah, same location, just for something where it's so unlikely that you'd ever imagine in a million years them making a recall to Leprechaun. It just tickles me so much that they just to see it recreated. And then same with like, you know, Pee-wee's Big Adventure is my favorite movie to see Mark Holton as Francis from this movie. Love him in the original. Uh, like that was another, that was my second like clapping moment when he first appeared in this one. And uh, at first it was so I went on this whole journey with him getting killed at the beginning, which was like, no, how could they do that? Like where I was actually into it. But then I was like, OK, but they gave him a great death. Um, yeah, it was so gory. The leprechaun bursting out of him like I loved it. So loved that was it. great. But then they actually satisfied me and kept him in the rest of the movie by appearing in ghost form and had some great <laughs> moments in that, like where he 
mimes the whole story of the first one to her and she doesn't understand it at all. Like just any moments like him, I mean, any, any scene with him was great. I just loved seeing him again. And that's a gig just tickled me so much that, uh, it's Mark Holton from the original. Uh, it's smart too. I think how they, if you're going to do a requel, but kind of like change the, I don't know, just, you know, it's going to look a little different. The tone's going to be a little different. The guy who plays Leprechaun is different. I thought it was really smart to open it how they did, where you have, you you hit the, but still be a sequel to the original. You hit those end beats. You rehash those end beats of the original, but within your own world and within the look of your own Leprechaun. Like that was a really cool, smart way, I thought, to bridge the sort of not just time gap, but the sort of two worlds that of the, of what is different about this one and uh, the original. Yeah, I appreciated just a little, you know, sort of recappy reintroduction feel <laughs> yeah um not to mention too the fact that they didn't call it just leprechaun was refreshing after you know halloween and scream now that all right, being right. muddled <laughs> uh and i love too it was just kind of a this was an example of where it is fun to sort of get on board with the filmmakers being self-aware of it but the details on the treasure map of of like their 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 rules that they wrote down of how to like defeat the leprechaun or you know the rules of the leprechaun both work in that sense of it's fun in the movie world of the characters keeping track of that stuff but also sort of shows okay here's like where the filmmakers and then also us are kind of like latching on to as the rules of the leprechaun so that's kind of the one of the fun things of the original too is uh and maybe to this one to an extent but just like his powers are just kind of all over the place and all the sequels too, where it's like he changes sizes in the space one and the original, he like can teleport, <laughs> but like only so far, you know, he like when he's going after on the bicycle or the skateboard or whatever in the original, I think he's on the tricycle uh, and he like teleports <laughs> to just behind the truck, but not on the truck. Like, you know, he can sort of shoot magic and chains out of his fingers and interact with objects uh any other just fun little connections i got to kick out of the original of having a jennifer aniston sound alike you know and oh that that's another rule or power of the leprechaun is uh mimic mimicry that was fun even wish granting yeah 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 the uh i love the, their names of the original written on the brick in the wall stuff that i thought you would have liked was the setup payoff stuff whether it's the when the 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 kind of couple is on the roof putting up the solar panels and she's haranguing him about uh, screwing them in or nailing them in the wrong way, and that comes back to be a part of his death, getting split down the middle. I, that was great. Um, sure, set it- sure. I can, yeah, I can appreciate a good setup and payoff of a kill. The I forget what it's called, like the water suction thing that you use uh, to suck water out and through a hose. I forget what that's called, but they set that up and it comes back later for, uh, <laughs> for, uh, it, it's putting the hose down the leprechaun's mouth and <laughs> killing with the, the, yeah. the clover juice. And then it gets <laughs> yeah. the, the drone. I was just kind of like, what is this? I'm like, where is this going to go? But then of course that paid off too. That was great. Right. Right. Uh, and now to kind of just catch up too with the the book ending, like and the shovel, the the shovel, the trowel trophy. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seemed fitting. Yeah. Uh, so now to bookend a bit with yeah to catch up on some of those kills that I thought were so great. We mentioned the split down the middle, the drone death. You kind of mentioned, but I thought was so great. Just hadn't seen it before. There's something really satisfying about a head squish, but the head is inside of a metal mailbox getting run over by a truck. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of second to just the joy and ecstasy of the moment, just pure film of the moment of uh, him riding the drone. I thought second to that was the like him conducting to Beethoven's ninth was it with uh with the one girl the stoner girl is trying to escape through the um the sprinklers and he like starts conducting the sprinklers to the the, the non-diegetic music that he's hearing too that was just another just yeah. kind of beautiful uh I don't know just symphony you know to take that word uh but in movie terms I just thought was great and inspired I loved it loved it and then also the, like, I was like at the end when they defeat him, I was like already just so excited and like, oh, cool. They, they defeated him the once, but, but it was good. The movie was tuned in in a writing sense where it was like, yeah, but we still have to have a bit more, you know, after they blow him up, it's like, no, he's still not totally dead. We should get a bit more. So to have that pay off with him turning into a bunch of little leprechauns, I just, I mean, just so many things that are straight out of the Evil Dead movies, it feels like, yeah. of course. So just like fighting. The, there is a reason for that. Fighting the mini ashes. Um, we'll get we'll get into that for uh, things of note. All right. But yeah, loved that. All the little leprechauns fighting the little leprechauns. So, so good. Just perfectly just in tune in the self-aware way of what I'd want out of these films. Uh, as far as what I have down, Tim, just last little just kind of touch moment I got a kick out of was when she, uh, Stoner Girl, gets a uh, picture, a selfie with the leprechaun. That just tickled me. So, I mean, I just thought, like, how cool would it be to get a selfie with a killer leprechaun? Amazing. Oh, boy. All right. Now for Tim's section on (laughs) what did not work. It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. All right. Well, welcome to my section. What did not work? Um, where to begin? Look, I don't disagree with pretty much everything that you're, you know, into about this movie. It's it's an execution problem when it comes down to it, coupled with just the the writing of the characters and then the the behavior of the characters the in, inconsistency within that like my big thing in camp is that if you are i think the strength of camp is the defining of characters and having them kind of stick to that definition and you know it, you get away with a lot you know in Friday the 13th or or Evil Dead or whatever in that you know exactly who these people are and they stay consistent throughout. So, you know, the hill that, but, but in, in, in being a caricature, they still have logical sort of direction. 
or motivation. So for example, in Evil Dead 2, the 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 hillbilly kind of guy, you know, he is that guy, but he still has an opinion. He still has a point of view. He's not just dumb hillbilly throughout that like is kind of irrationally doing things. He's motivated by what's going on around Are him. Are you saying like if you you can take something to a level of caricature and make it worse or and make it work as long as there is a consistency in there and a truth to that caricature. Yes. And so that's why I said earlier, so much of that is is relies on the actor maintaining that consistency too. And, you know, and like I'm not gonna just say the actor it's all the actor's fault either like the the, it's the director's job to keep them in the pocket with their performance so like you know not just one person is sort of at fault from from what bothers me the most about this but so for example in this movie the stoner girl is not really well set up as the stoner girl she's just set up as kind of a jerk and who kind of wants a party but like scene to scene she's all over the place like her character will be like saying one thing and then completely contradicting that in the next scene or within that same scene and then like to your point when she sees the leprechaun and takes a selfie with it at first i'm thinking like oh that makes sense because she's the stoner girl but like we didn't get a setup to know that in that moment she's super baked right like so there's just this sort She's of drunk was of, the setup. Okay, well that's not good enough then to me. Like, how drunk would you need to be to think that you're seen, uh, or to not be surprised by what you're seeing? That like, was what the whole scene just, was about, where she's been drinking yeah, all not, afternoon, and then he calls her out for being a drunk, well. and then she says to herself, uh, "Man, I must be hallucinating from alcohol." But that's my point. Is like they're talking that plot point out. And it just, to me, that's just bad. It doesn't work. Like, have her, have the other characters in the previous scene be like, you're out of control. You're too drunk. You're a mess. And her be like, screw you. Like, I know that they, I can't even remember the sequence of events. Like, she's throwing up at one point. But like, if you're that drunk, like, it just doesn't line up with the reality of being that drunk in those particular moments, right? There's not a good sequence to lead us to 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 feel supported by that idea that in this moment she's in the kitchen by herself drinking at night and can't distinguish or care that a weird leprechaun like deformed burnt-faced, you know, entity pops up. And then her reaction is very kind of nonchalant, like, oh, yeah, let me just take a selfie with you. Oh, yeah, whatever, whatever. So it's almost like they're mixing the the caricature type to to a bad effect. Like, if she were the stoner and her whole thing from the moment we meet her to that moment was, I just want to be in a cloud of, of weed. I'm baked. I'm, um, you know... I would completely get on board with her looking over and being like, what is that? And then, you know, but they, 
it just doesn't match up for me with the the like i think the character or caricature archetypes that they're trying to use are not only ill defined but they feel lazy in their definition as well as the execution by the actors of that thing and it ends up becoming this really boring and this is partially a, a big this is connected to my big issue with just the scenes in the movie that don't involve the leprechaun <laughs> there there is nothing going on it's super static almost every scene is just them talking at each other about their character's def- like the def- defining aspects of their character those things never really change throughout the movie, right? Nobody, nobody changes their opinion or, or sort of their outlook. They all stick to this thing, and they, and they scene to scene have the same conversation over and over again. So by number two or three conversation of the same thing of like, oh, this house needs to be a green house, and like, oh, something's going to go wrong again, and being upset over it that or oh i'm not going to sleep with this guy like my ex boyfriend again and then having that conversation over and over again who it's who cares after the second time i'm like we've we're just rehashing this to the, and and this happened in the filmmaking too where it's like in in just the plotting of the film you had the scene with her doing the selfie with the the leprechaun, and I was like, "Yeah, I get it. That's fine. That's funny. Sure." The next time somebody sees the leprechaun, he it's the dude. He takes a selfie with the leprechaun. You cannot double down on those type of jokes unless you're going to really, really overemphasize that thing and have every single character who sees the leprechaun want to take a selfie with it, like. You can't, it's just in the middle of nothingness. And so for me, once I sense that that's what the movie is, I'm out. I checked out. It was so difficult for me to care or engage on any level except when I like heard the leprechaun laugh and go, okay, maybe I'll kind of pay attention now because a kill is probably happening soon. And then it would, and I'd be like, yeah, that was kind of cool. And then they go, they would cut back to three or four people standing in one place talking about the same thing. And I just, the like, the attempts at jokes were so flat. I hated that, A, I could barely understand the leprechaun when he's doing his limericks, or whatever you want to call them. But B, I just they were they weren't even bad. I dude, I love a dad joke. I love puns. I love them. I my girlfriend wants to kill me most of the time because I'm constantly like making completely stupid wordplay puns on things that there isn't even a joke. I'll just change a word to something that rhymes with that word, and she'll just be like, no, stop doing that. So I'm I'm the audience. And the the like what they handed me as the person who likes that kind of stuff wasn't even at a dumb level that makes me want to laugh at it. 
Like, I don't know how you can miss that bad. But they did. For me, I just was like, I'm out. I don't care. I hate everything. <laughs> uh, first, real quick, just because you reminded me, my favorite line in the movie didn't, I failed to mention, didn't come from the leprechaun, but was when the uh, the the quote-unquote leader girl uh, said, you can't just Google how to kill a leprechaun. <laughs> just something about that delivery cracked me up. But now to actually say so, say something to what you're saying, it's interesting because like I'm agreeing with you and as usual, I'm like wishing, you know, oh man, if they had just gotten Tim's pass on the script. Um, but I'm just trying to think why I didn't notice or why it didn't bother me so much. And it was just because uh, the pacing was just relentless where I thought like, before I could even notice that kind of pattern forming, I think I was just like, oh, shoot, the leprechaun's already there and talking to her. Okay, we're we're on a roll with it. So uh, for whatever... I think, yeah, yeah you, you, you have an ability to be swept up in the overall of a film very quickly. Mm-hmm. I That's actually extremely challenging for me with any movie. So I know that a movie is firing on all pistons or whatever when I find myself not thinking about structure, form, performance, technique, like any of those sort of filmmaker point of view things. If I start to let go of that stuff, I know that the movie is really doing its job well. Um we watched uh, Uncharted. <laughs> we went because we we were like, let's we were super tired we have that um, AMC like pass thing. I forget what it's called. And we were like, oh, we got to go see something before the month is over. Otherwise, it's sort of just a waste of money. And so, but we didn't want to like go see something that involved any energy or thought. So we're like, we'll go see Uncharted. It's probably going to be super stupid, but maybe there will be some fun visuals, whatever. It is so bad, like on so many levels for the same reason, like, no amount of cool set pieces or CGI can can overcome Mark Wahlberg's just insanely bad delivery of every single line. So, like, it's it's problematic. Look, Tom Holland is amazing. Like, he's a very charismatic guy. Like, he's he's easy to watch. But the movie just suffers. Whereas The King's Man, I was almost immediately enthralled and just like wrapped up in the story and the like in the world rather than being like oh these are this is really good filmmaking I just was like oh my god I'm in this world and I think you have an ability to fall into the world of a movie very quickly that I just I tend to default in the opposite direction I have to I have to be pulled into it because it's doing its job well right well to so I mean, I guess just to be a little more specific, I feel like it depends on what the world is because I can sure. just as easily tune out maybe if I'm not enthralled enough with the world because yeah, yeah. of things like what you're saying. Well, and I think in this realm, I guess, is is also, that's what I mean. It's like your your love for this, t- this style <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> or this type of world is capturing for you. Whereas for me, I'm like, you better you better do it well. Because or else I'm just going to check out. So, um, the you know kind of the to tail off of of all of those overarching things when it comes to specifics, like the acting choices, 
of all but the lead were un- i mean they're like upsettingly unwatchable for me i just i felt like the lead actress was a person and i was like yeah i believe that this is a person do i believe every moment of the movie of hers like there are times when i'm like guys just leave like just get out of there no but that's a horror trope thing and i'll i'll you know accept it but the the girl who the fastidious girl i don't know what else to call I her i called her the leader i don't know why but yeah the leader girl her choice to to act like i i called it like disney channel acting Watching an adult or near adult, I don't know what you call a 21-year-old, a 21-year-old, watching them do the acting style of 12-year-olds on the Disney Channel was one of the most distracting and, like, nauseating things (laughs) I've ever had to endure. That's I couldn't believe what I was watching. That's funny because, like... That that's an example of I gave of there is a consistency from the first one of just being an like over the top to the nth degree stereotype. Yeah, and like I don't know why it's so upsetting to me because well, you said the lack of consistency would, uh, within it. Yeah. Well, it, but it is consistently what it is like in her case in particular she does that thing throughout but i think maybe it's to this the previous point i was making about like it's unmotivated it's an unmotivated choice it, it's not based in anything that actually makes any sense for anything so you're just doing a thing you're doing a i don't know what you even call that a style i guess for for no good reason. It doesn't like help the character. It doesn't it doesn't pay off in any sort of way. It's not like we we go, "Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because she's this way, this, you know, this comeuppance will happen and that'll you know, be cathartic or something like that." Whereas like, you know, the the hillbilly guy in in Evil Dead, you know, he he kind of devolves because of his hillbilliness into just like screw it all got to get out of here i don't care and i go oh that's connected that makes sense right. to him me. yelling bobby joe is one of the most distinct like it's moments amazing, of right? that movie for some that reason. is to the point of the character so like for her to have this turn of like i've had to do x y and z i can handle some little miniature leprechaun whatever she says i forget what? She calls him a lawn gnome. I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's that's fine. But it doesn't it just sucks. It's not it's just it's it's bad all around. I feel like there were maybe the there was a issue with the vision. <laughs> like whoever the powers that be that are making the final sort of choice, it felt like a movie that had a bunch of people who were arguing over what the movie should be. And so I don't know if the writer and the director just didn't like see it the same. Maybe, maybe there are producers who are like, yeah, we think that's a good idea, but we got to make sure it's like sticks within this other thing that the original had or vice versa. I don't know. Who knows? It's all, it's likely all of the above. I, I don't know. So at the end of the day, I'm just, 
I, I, I just hate it. <laughs> uh, sorry. I'll get out what I have and maybe you can expand on them or give thoughts on them. But, um, okay. <laughs> and it sounds like some of these are just really weird and specific, specific, like I'm overthinking exactly how I wouldn't want to this movie, but I guess it's to show how much I enjoyed it. These little things that distracted me. Uh, I like how he, those, those few anachronistic jokes were like, he referred to, you know, use the term Walkman and stuff like that. So in that mm-hmm. I was distracted when his quips felt too much, like they were using modern parliament parlance. What's the word? Um, uh, I don't know. Anyway. Parlance. Yeah. And then, uh, okay. This is why I kind of brought up earlier, but like how I wouldn't want that kind of Austin powers level, self-aware joke. Like, it, it did make me giggle kind of sort of, but at the same time, it just felt out of place. The moment where she, you know, gives that triumphant speech of we have to defeat him and then just kind of walks away like to, to go off, defeat them. And then she turns around and is like, Oh wait, yeah, no, I don't know where I'm going. We should come up with a plan first or whatever. You know, that was like that self-aware the, joke that felt weird and out of place to me. That's that, the whole movie to me. Yeah. That joke is the problem with the whole movie is that, they set up an idea of like what the movie should be and who the characters should be. And then they go, Oh wait, wait, what's going on? What am I doing? The whole movie feels like that to me. Like they don't know where they're going with any of it. So nothing actually follows through to make us feel like, Oh, cool. That was funny. Um, this last it's, it's cynical. It actually, I think that's what it is. It's self-aware in a cynical way that is almost feels like they don't even want to be there. Mm. They don't even want to be making this movie. That's what it that's probably what ultimately is so upsetting about you feel, it for me. Like you feel them wanting to make the movie like in the gore and kill scenes, which I guess you said worked for you. Yeah. Uh and, and I mean, for me, those moments of inspired brilliance of the uh riding the drone and the well, conduct all the faucets. pieces are fine. So Last thing I had was, uh, this was kind of your question of what's motivating the leprechaun. And this is also an example of what I think is interesting is when are they thinking too much about trying to explain things in this world? But the first one, it's like super weird and vague in a way that's working for me of why he exactly has to kind of kill people like if all he wants is his gold it's just sort of like feels like it's because it's a horror movie and it's obligatory and they're kind of in his way or he kind of just has a desire to it's not yeah, he defined. Just likes it. yeah so but so taking it to the level of having to define that as part of his motivation for me in this one where he says ah i like killing people and it gives me power and only if i get one more kill like that was the kind of thing where i'd rather just have it be weirdly unexplained and just kind of Mm -hmm. don't leave those leave those rules in a fog for me versus trying to define them never have the the power be defined by the person who's gaining the power Mm -hmm. have it be discovery through the other characters because that then creates conflict them going why can't we defeat it having somebody get killed and then them seeing him get more powerful gives them a hurdle to have to get over it gives them a problem to solve but if he just goes "Ah, i like doing this and that's fun and it makes me more powerful 
there's no conflict in that. We just go, okay, you've just told us the plot. I, I mean, I just think it was one thing too many. I'd just rather have it. He's just, his gold gives him the power, being close to it, having more gold. That's it. So this one, I'm just like, guys, you didn't need to justify his weird tendencies of why exactly he's killing anyone at any given point. Like, we get it. Right. Like, that was an example of just where it went too far in that regard for me and that's yeah. all i had but i had some things of note questions for you if that's all you had for what did not work i mean the only other thing i want to say is that like kind of to this previous point of like that they i agree they they were they seemed excited as filmmakers to get to the gore and the kills and those set pieces and such and those were the best parts of the movie but to I don't know what, what, how would you put this to, to throw away the in-between scenes at the level that they did of like, just whatever, let's just get through it. It's, it is insulting to me as a viewer. And that makes me angry because then all I'm thinking is why, like, I'm mad now that this movie even got funded. And this this director, this will lead us into things of note, like he's done a number of things that I think are are fine. And the writer is a writer that has done things that I really like. So, you know, it's confounding to me and then that makes me annoyed and upset. So, want to know who they were? In our next section. Yeah, exactly. Here we go. Things of note. Things of note! <laughs> this should be interesting. Okay, so the let's start with the writer. Suzanne Kylie, I think is how you say her name, but it might be Keely. She wrote for Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Like... I love that show. I'm rewatching that show. I love that show so much. And you can see the influence of that style in this movie. A hundred percent. But what was she doing with all the rest of the scenes? Like there is inconsistency in just the conversations between people that makes absolutely no sense. I mean, in particular, the scene where this stoner girl just lashes out and like says some really mean shit to the lead girl. And it's so out of left field. And then her whole thing of like, I'll agree to what the leprechaun says so that I can get away. It's like, that's late second act stuff for this sort of betrayal type thing. It's, it's just, it's really off. I guess ultimately I would want to ask the writer, like, how many drafts did they let you have? Because this does not feel like you got enough time. Scene to scene, it feels like it's it's not finished. This is just a what if exercise because I'm really fascinated by can you and this is this is really weird, but to like further kind of define, okay, you know, we were kind of using those terms as kind of under with an understanding of what they meant, an intentional camp versus an unintentional camp. 
you know, a weird happenstance that you can only fall weird details you can only kind of come up with if you kind of seem incompetent on some level versus knowing mm-hmm. on this level. So that's I mean, that word is getting at is what I'm getting at already. It's like is what's the differentiation between those filmmakers? I don't think there's a polite way to put it. Like, is it a sort of competency or sort of level of um smarts behind being aware of what movies are and having seen enough movies and being able to translate that. So just if we're able to like, even if that's a little insulting or whatever, just, I don't know how else you'd define it or get on board with it. But um, I don't know. Wait, any thoughts on that real quick before I ask my real question? I wonder about this a lot. Why, why can two different people kind of attempt the same thing and, one be so successful and one be so unsuccessful. But like what I was asking was specifically within a level of self-awareness or not. Right. I, I'm i not sure that you can manufacture it. I, I don't know. I, this is sort of a, maybe a, 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 a cheap answer, I guess, because it's not really an answer, but. At the end of the day, I think that some people just have a natural sensibility around camp that is not a thinking exercise. It's just how they see the world, and it sort of lines up, and they're able to execute it. Like Larry Cohen with the stuff? Yes, yes. Whereas a lot of the times that we complain the most about camp missing and I mean, I'm guessing here, but it feels like my memory of it is that often that is example. These are examples of filmmakers who are trying to recreate a feeling rather than it just existing from what it is like being it's that the campiness is a result of the experience of making the film, not the film is aiming at making something campy. It's just interesting. There's the line there of like Night of the Demons, which I'd say is wholly successful in what we're saying as mm-hmm. sort of an unintentional, you know, whatever goes just kind of magic that comes from it. But at the same time, I know we weren't as crazy about it just because of some of the more sort of standard filmmaking things that we wish they did get right. Sure. No, I know. It's a really hard thing. I just think it's, it's an, un, it may just fall into this undefinable realm where some, some people can do it and some people can't. So you were speaking well of one of the screenwriters. I have not seen The Void, but sounded I mean, you recommended it. So it sounds like, you know, director knows what he's doing or you're a fan of his to some extent. So, yeah, I like, look, I, I think The Void, The Void is absurd in a in a very certain kind of way where it's god how do i describe this you're going like he has a sensibility that is dark and and weird and almost otherworldly and that's why the void works because that movie kind of is all of those things um damn i was just looking him up to um the, the he's done a couple other things that i was actually surprised to see that that's what he had done Oh yeah, Stephen Kostansky. He understands camp, obviously, because he did Psycho Gorman. 
and and the void is campy in its own way. I don't know. There's a part of me, this is totally speculation, that feels like he didn't want to do this movie. It sounds like, though, let's say, again, just for an exercise, let's say they were given all the time in the world to write the script, because you're right, maybe it is just that they didn't were under the, yeah. the, the, the ticking clock or, or under the gun, but maybe it just is on the level of screenwriting for you, it sounds like, is what the issues were, because it sounds like your issues, your biggest issues were sort of consistency of character. Uh, yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's directing too, though. Um, it just is. I haven't even gotten to my big question for you, which I'm kind of getting at is, let's say, you know, obviously you and I talking here on this, talking about this level of detail, if you and I were assigned the task to make Leprechaun Returns, mm-hmm. how would we approach that? Or people like us, whatever. People, you know, we're thinking at this on this level of detail or whatnot. We want to plan it as well as we can. Is there any kind of way to just sort of recreate that effort attitude that sort of the Larry Cohen's of the world, the guy who made the original Leprechaun, sorry, I'm forgetting his name, you know, can, can sort of strike that. My first thought is like, I'm all about like, if you go making a movie, like stay stone cold sober, like you, you really take care of your health and wellness and mental acuity during it all. But I'm wondering if the spirit of these kinds of leprechaun films are like how I watched them 10 years ago with a friend and likely, uh, very stoned was, um, do you, do you get, intoxicated and make this movie with a bunch of friends like you you try your hardest like in the screenwriting phase to get what you get right but then you sort of just sort of stop caring at a certain level but at the same time you do care i don't know you see what what i'm asking or proposing 100 percent do and i think for me what it would be is the the true failings of this movie are certain rules that they just kind of throw around that don't there this movie is not i think they're they're going off the the assumption that the rules are the rules of the first movie and we can just kind of ride that wave but that's not enough for a sequel like you have to have rules for the sequel like you have to have rules for this movie that are this movie's rules and in as a part of those rules, there has to be an actual goal. So what is, if the goal, the goal can't just be vaguely defeat the leprechaun. Of course, of course that's the goal. But like in, in, in intertwining the goal with the rules is how you figure out how, the how of the movie. This is the solve of the movie and everything needs to come from there. So that's why I kind of asked, like, what are the, what's the goal? Like, what would ultimately get him to stop killing people and go away? And, and does that even exist? So you have to go through this exploration, I think, in the early phase of screenwriting to define these rules. Okay, like, what does he want? What, like, how does he get that? Why can't he get that? What would happen if he got that? What happens when he doesn't get that? You know, in this case, it's it's his gold. What are the flaws within what he wants? And then do all of that with the, the main character in the face of this thing. Because that's the movie, right? Like, he doesn't exist without him needing his gold. So there's a curse. There's a thing that, that like 
Can you solve the curse? Can like are there solves? Until you know the answer to all of those things, you don't really have a movie. You're just throwing scenes around and having kills, which is ultimately what this movie for me ended up being. So, but what I'm saying is like if the first one you have like what I what I gave the example of in reaching a certain level of of just tone and fun of they just seem to either be blissfully unaware or not care about justifying the leprechaun's motivations to also be killing people, right? This one seemed like an example of overthinking and Mm -hmm. having to justify it. So could the equivalent of someone who's overthinking these or, or, you know, just trying to think out all these rules, could the equivalent be if you can't get on board with a sort of not thinking about it or not caring logic like the first one, can you recreate that with stoner logic, let's say? Yes. If you have like one basic rule that you stick to, which, you know, like it, let's just say the rule is the leprechaun kills the longer he doesn't get his way. He's a psychopath. Great. No problem. Just stick to that. Again, I, just I still don't nuts. think I still don't think you need a rule at all for his motivation for killing. And again, that's what I liked about the original is like you don't have a rule for his well, killing. All it yeah, is, I mean, all he says is, "I want me gold. I want me gold." You know, it's always that. Do. I mean, we're basically saying the same thing. The rule that I'm talking about is that all he wants is his gold. That's what makes him psychotic. He's not getting his gold. You don't need to overly define it. You just say that's that's what he needs and. The more he doesn't get it, the more insane things get. Do you think uh, weed would be helpful for getting on a certain kind of logic for making this kind of film versus can you actually preordain a kind of whatever attitude that might be coming from the original Leprechaun or Troll 2s of the world and the filmmakers who made them? I mean, I think it's always tricky to try to kind of re-create uh, a vibe. So, you know, maybe, yeah, I don't, I don't really know that the answer to that, but sh- sure, as <laughs> give it a shot, <laughs> see if weed helps. I don't know, you know, yeah. like even if it's it, it, even just do as an exercise in the writing phase. See what you come like get baked and see what you come up with and then be like, oh, that worked. Let's ride that yeah. wave. I'm more of the thought this. Uh, I, I'm more of the mindset now where it's like it's it's not weed wouldn't give me new ideas, but it is just, you know, me and I can tap into that no matter what. But I think I'd be on board with it. You're saying it's like as an exercise, we know what kind of movie this is and people will probably be baked watching it. So why not just try to influx a bit of that energy into this? Yeah. All right. But I always do think it's dangerous to try and kind of, I mean, this like a lot of these reboot, requill films are trying to recreate or whatever you would call it, get us to, to, the nostalgia of the originals and it's like you you ultimately can't so maybe don't try to do that so much as you know find your own version of what made you like the movie originally and 
aim at 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 that rather than doing another you know rehash of the original and that's why i really was trying to define here are traits that can still work in a in an aware way and a thinking mm-hmm. about you know what what are some sort of uh recreatable traits about the original and films like it I don't know, man. I think when you have a nutty film, you got to get nutty. You got to get excited. You got to get pumped up. You got to just be like, everything is on the table. Everything. Let's go crazy. But what you can't do is nothing, which is what all the scenes in between the kills are doing. Right. They're doing nothing. So, yeah, that all what you're saying was fully there for the kill scenes for me. And you're just kind of seemed like in the end we're hampered by that kind of energy not being there for the in-between scenes, the rest of it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we should wrap this up. So last little things of note that I have is just, I thought the similarities to our scream requel scream five that came out were pretty funny in that again, this came out a few years before the new scream, but that you have a ghost version of someone who's, you know, connected (laughs) to the protagonist of the original showing up to assist the the quote-unquote crazy girl or unstable girl a protagonist of the new one in like yeah in a ghost form that just cracked me up that similarity well and also that it's the daughter of somebody who yeah, had exactly. mental illness and yeah it's funny yeah great all right well we should wrap it up here um really uh, we like to do that with recommendations so just looking at what i watched recently just because it was uh, newly released by Criterion on 4K Blu-ray. I checked out the movie Menace to Society had been on my Mm. watch list, seeing that it was a Hughes Brothers-directed movie, and they directed From Hell, which uh, I I loved when it came out, and I would be very uh, interested to dismember on our show here. But anyway, just in short, I really liked it. It was a cool, really cool balance of just sort of dealing with situations and portrayals and subject matter that was starkly realistic, but with a heavy style uh, bringing all that out as well. So really interesting meld of those two kinds of, uh, uh, I don't know, extremes or energies, whatever. Check it out. Menace to Society. Cool. I'm going to recommend Dead, a documentary that is one of the most fear-inducing for me things i've watched in a long time it's called the rescue it's about it's about a a cave system in oh thailand that you know is sort of like a, a you know it's like a national park kind of thing and but you know you can it's people kind of have free reign you can go in there and there's like a time of year when you can go in and it's totally safe and no big deal and it's extremely expansive, this cave system. A soccer team, kids, you know, like 12-year-old kids, went in there with their coach, and a monsoon sort of style storm came early and flooded the tunnel system, the cave system, and they get trapped in there, and they have to be rescued, and the rescue effort was insane. I mean, truly insane. Diving teams and, like, navy from different countries showed up like it's it is one of the most insane movies i mean just story it's a true story it's the it's actual footage from this event it's 
and I'm particularly like it's my two main fears in one, which is like I'm I have a strange fear of caves, and I have in insanely high levels of uh, claustrophobia that are wrapped up in that cave sort of realm as well as underwater stuff. So it it's it's an incredibly well done documentary as well as extremely scary from the point of view of somebody who uh, these things induce quite a lot of anxiety for me. So it, and it's just, it's great. I mean, it's really, really well done and it's moving and, and sad and all, all of the above. So definitely check it out. The rescue. Great. All right. Check those out folks. Should you be interested? That's it for today. We'll be back in two weeks with another 2022 new release film and it's refreshingly not part of a existing ip or franchise we'll be back (laughs) with ty west's new film x really looking forward to that hot damn all right everyone so in closing we hope you get your pot of gold thanks for listening and we will see you next time goodbye Ha, 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 ha.